in the grip of oppression I fought for my liberty I paid with the blood of my people Freedom has never been free Now my door's always open To dreamers and friends But when I'm attacked I protect and defend Because my name is America Welcome, this is Karen Schoen, and you're listening to the Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network, with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Website is goflca.org. Please go to the Alliance website. Check out micro schools and see what you can do to become part of this movement. Uh, Right now, our goal is to get all 67 counties in Florida connected to the fact that they can take their children out of these indoctrination clinics masquerading as public schools and give them a real solid education in a homeschool or in a micro school environment. Learn about it. It is so important. As a former teacher, I can tell you, folks, our kids aren't learning anything. And I just read a horrific article, and we all know that what goes on in California eventually gets all over the place. Well, they are adopting a new Marxist math program, which means that the kids will be a year I would say two years behind again in math because Common Core made them two years behind. So if you think that America is on a course for bringing in excellent education and excellent application of knowledge and skills, think again. We are training mediocre people to do mediocre jobs at the behest of the globalists, and the globalists are communists. And nobody knows more about communists than my friend Chris Wright, who runs the anti-communism action team. So Chris has been here with us before. I'm going to ask you, Chris, what's new, what's going on? And we need a good, important really good lesson of how we can learn to communicate because that is sorely lacking. Uh, Thanks for having us back, Karen. Um, The anti-communism action team is in its 10th year. Our primary activity activity is a speakers bureau. We have survivors of communism and experts on various topics. We're available all over the country through video conferencing. There are no speaker fees. Now, you mentioned communication. We also have a, a, a an occasional roundup of uh, the latest news, both domestic and foreign, regarding communism. And there's a whole lot more coming out of the United States these days, that's for sure. But uh, your listeners can sign up for the newsletter, as it were, at Spider in the Fly. At, I'm sorry, mail at spiderinthefly.com with hyphens between the words, spider hyphen, etc. I want to get right to our guest. Uh, we have a very special guest today, Christian Toto, and uh, he is a, a film critic. So what better time to talk about the movies 
than summertime when the blockbusters come out. Now, Christian is the host of the Hollywood in Toto podcast, which you can find on his website, hollywoodintoto.com. He is also, uh, I would call him the foremost film critic on the right, and he is an award-winning journalist, podcaster with more than 20 years of experience covering Hollywood, including a stint at the Washington Times. He also has writing credits at Breitbart and the Daily Wire. His video, Why is Hollywood So Woke? for PragerU has over 850,000 views on YouTube. He's a Rotten Tomatoes certified reviewer and belongs to both the Critics Choice Association and the Denver Film Critics Society. Now, I wanted to bring Christian on today because um, it's always distressed me that there aren't a whole lot of movies with... uh, anti-communist themes or dealing with the subject of communism at all coming out of Hollywood, there seemed to be a whole lot more about the Holocaust. So, Christian, my first question for you is, why are there so few few films coming out of Hollywood about communism? Well, Hollywood makes movies based on its interests. They're less interested in what the public wants and more interested in the messages they want to send far and wide. Of course, the movies they make are spread across the globe. And so those those films, those narratives are, are uh, exported aggressively. And to them, communist movies, communist themes, fear of communism, what it could do to a society, none of that interests the, the Hollywood screenwriters. And there's no, there's no big studio clamoring to tell those stories, even though there are amazing, powerful haunting stories to tell so when you do get a rare movie that that falls in line with that it, it's it's cause for celebration they a few years ago there was a comedy the death of stalin which was a uh, quite good quite biting quite powerfully constructed but again that's the exception it's not the rule and you know there are so many wonderful stories that are just missing in hollywood and the only thing i'd say about that is it does o- offer an opportunity for other outlets these independent studios to step in and to tell those stories but we're not quite seeing them yet well, you mentioned the death of Stalin. I saw that movie. It was uh, pretty funny, actually. Uh, not so funny at the end when the, uh, who was a Beria gets gets liquidated. But anyway, um, please tell us uh, some of your other favorite communist themed movies. Well, I think the one that always jumps to mind is the live the lives of others. Uh, you know, it's the ultimate eighties. Uh, you know, tale of suppression and people. Uh, spilling the dirt on each other, things like that, but it's powerfully made. And uh, it's one of the best films the last 20 years. And it, it, you know, it was so good. It attracted critics from the left and the right uh, sort of almost universal praise. You don't get that very often, especially if a film with some political themes, but of course, you know, it wasn't a hardcore political film. It was a story. It just happened to tell tales that, that don't reflect well on the left and certainly are applauded on the right. But when I think when the storytelling is front and center, when it's working, I, you know, I think everyone can appreciate that. So I give I give liberal film critics, and that's the vast majority of them, a lot of credit for cheering on that film, and deservedly so. Well, you mentioned two films now, The Death of Stalin and The Lives of Others. Where can um, people watch these films at this point? You know, I think they're pretty readily available. I'm not sure if they're spotlighted on any platform at the moment. I do find that a good tool is just watch.com. It's a website where you can just plug in just about any film. It'll say, hey, you can see this for free here, here, and here. Or if it's not available for free, you could rent it at these 
different platforms might be iTunes, might be Hulu, you know, you don't, you don't know exactly where, but that's, that's a good tool. And I think both films have been pretty readily available in recent, in recent years. So if they're not on a platform you're subscribed to right now, I'm sure you could find it pretty easily. Wow. I didn't know about that. Justwatch.com. That's, that's a uh, really good information. Uh, what are some of the, your other favorites? Gosh, you know, there not a lot jumps to mind. It, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a terrible situation that these stories aren't being told. I, I will say there was a film a couple of years ago called Mr. Jones, and that one maybe dovetails uh, indirectly into this category. It's about the uh, the famine in the 1900s that the New York Times, the infamous reporter Walter Durante, covered up so aggressively. But then another reporter did the due, his due diligence and exposed that situation. So, you know, that was the case of the New York Times basically covering for a communist regime. And, you know, history has proven him to be one of the, the journalistic outlaws, one of the rebels, one of the people who did the right thing, as opposed to Walter Durante, who won a Pulitzer Prize, I believe, for his work. And of course, that is a permanent stain on the New York Times record, one of many. But that was a very good film. It you know, kind of came and went, didn't get a lot of attention. But that was the kind of movie I think you'd want to seek out. I saw that movie. I thought it was great. And um, Walter Durante, uh, he's famous for saying about covering up the Holodomor in Ukraine in the 1930s. 30s and he famously said if you're going to break if you're going to make an omelet you have to break a few eggs and uh, some wag came along after him and said okay but where's the omelet (laughs) 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 Um, but mr jones uh, now durante he's been accused of being a communist sympathizer he's actually been accused of being a russian agent so the movie, I thought it caught my attention because uh, the, he's portrayed in the movie as having to go along with the Soviets in this activity because the Soviets had his kid in captivity. So if he didn't play ball, the kid would be harmed. Um, do you have any comment on that? You know, I'm not well aware of that part of the story, but, it, you know, I think when you watch the film, you could tell that he was given access to high society. He was adequately compensated and then some for telling the tales that he that he had to tell via the newspapers. So, you know, I, history is complicated, but I, I think the fact that the Pulitzer Prize Committee gave him the award, the fact that I don't believe it's ever been rescinded. And you would think that that would be something the New York Times would be t- talking about early and often as something that they'd like to soon forget or at least apologize for. But you don't you don't get that sense of regret. And, you know, in modern times, we haven't had any regret regarding the coverage of the uh, the Russiagate hoax. And yet they, they were also Pulitzer Prizes given away for that reporting, which is obviously based on a lie. So, you know, if they weren't going to apologize for Durante, if they were not going to apologize for that, then I don't see them ever apologizing for the, the shoddy journalism that they often do. Uh, there was another movie uh, of recent years, recent vintage, um, and it was had a fairly high profile. Uh, the young Karl Marx. Did you see that one? No, I'm trying to think. Um, was that a comedy from a, maybe two or three years ago? No, it was a story of um, Friedrich Engels and Karl Marx being buddies back in the early days before the Communist Manifesto, and it went on from there. Um, I, and it was fairly high profile, so that's that's why I'm mentioning it. Yeah, yeah. It just you know it, there, there there's so much potential here, and you know, and even in recent years with the 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 uh, what what's happened in Venezuela, what's going on across different countries, you think there would be powerful stories of maybe heroic Venezuelans who escaped 
the clutches of the of the communist regime or or fought the power or even musical artists who have been trying to get their music out their art out into the world under repressive regimes you just don't see it. Um, I will say there was a movie out a year or two ago called Eternal Spring that looked at what goes on in communist China. And that was a powerful film. I should have mentioned that earlier. It's a great documentary, beautifully told. It's elegant, it's sophisticated, and it's haunting. And so, uh, you know, again, this is that was made outside of Hollywood circles. I think it was a Canadian filmmaker who put it all together. So that's another one people should look out for. It's excellent. Uh, Leon Lee is the Canadian filmmaker you were referencing, and I think he does have some credits in there, but it wasn't his film, as as as, uh, as I recall. But it's a great movie, very powerful, as you say. Eternal Spring is the name of the city in Chinese where it all takes place. And if I'm recalling correctly, it had something to do with uh, uh, a group of Falun Gong yes. uh, dissidents, and they take over the local TV station. Mm-hmm. So it's really quite dramatic. And it cuts back and forth between uh, live action, uh, uh, actual people and animation, which is a very unusual format. I'd never seen that before. Not only was it unusual, it was expertly done. The animation was stunning and it really made it visually exciting to watch. And, you know, sometimes these films can be dry. They can be tough to watch because the material is so engaging and so heartbreaking. But I thought the the using that approach made it more accessible and made it even better. I got to ask you about one more and then we'll sure. uh, sort of change the topic a little bit, but I have to ask you about Red Dawn. There was an original, <laughs> there was a remake. Um, I, I, Lee Edwards, who's been on this show before he's well, he retired now from the heritage foundation, uh, co-founder of the victims of communism memorial, uh, organization. Uh, and, uh, it, it's one of his favorite films. So tell us a little bit about that one. Yeah, it's an 80s classic. It's about the invasion of America by by Russian forces. And, you know, back then, of course, at the height of the Cold War, it couldn't have been more timely. It had a lot of up and coming stars, I believe Patrick Swayze, uh, a few other familiar faces, C. Thomas Howell. And, you know, it's the kind of movie that is rah-rah, that is in your face. I believe the director and or writer was John Milius, who's a very red-blooded filmmaker. He did Apocalypse Now. He did Conan the Barbarian. He's one of the the very rare conservatives in Hollywood. He had a really interesting and distinguished career. I think he's older. I think he's had some uh, physical ailments. But uh, the I think maybe the most interesting thing about that movie is when they attempted to remake it in, uh, I guess, about, about 10 years or so ago, they made it. And then they realized that they made the villains the Chinese. And then all of a sudden they thought, oh, my gosh, we can't insult the Chinese. We can't offend the Chinese because we are we need their money. We need access to their theaters. So they digitally tweaked the movie to make the North Koreans the villains in that movie. But it was a really, it was a, it was a very powerful precursor to where we are today, where Hollywood is beholden to China, where Hollywood is so desperate to make get their movies into the Chinese market that they will censor, they will add scenes that are very fawning towards Chinese culture, and uh, they won't touch certain topics if it offends the China, the Chinese censors. So that's where we are today. But Red Dawn, the remake, really did usher in this new chilling era where you have to you have to play by China's rules or else. And now I think the epilogue to that story is that China doesn't need our movies as much as they once did. And their local homegrown films are doing far, far better than American imports. So I often say that Hollywood sold its soul for, to China for what? Bag of beans? Because they don't get nearly the money they once did. And now they just have egg on their face. 
Red Dawn, what makes it so much fun, at least the original, I didn't see the remake, but what makes the original so much fun is that it's a group of high schoolers who's, mm-hmm. who take on the Soviets. Yeah, lots of spunk, lots of fire, lots of energy. And, you know, listen, it's teenage rebellion, and, and that's a, a great way to capture what was going on. It's the the battle cry of the Wolverines, the uh, local high school team. So I saw the Red Dawn remake, and I couldn't tell you a thing about it. It was I saw it, I left the theater and didn't didn't engage with it at all. So that, you know, Sometimes movies are just bland remakes, not necessary. But I just think from the, uh, the big picture, no pun intended point of view, that was an interesting moment in Hollywood culture. Uh, if I'm recalling correctly, last summer there was uh, uh, the big, you know, the big Top Gun movie, uh, Maverick. And uh, there was a China problem with that. Do you, uh, do you remember that? Long before it came out in theaters, they had images of Tom Cruise's jacket, his uh, Navy jacket, and it had a whole bunch of different patches on it. And one of the patches was the Taiwanese and of course, they thought, well, you can't show that in China because they're going to freak out about the Taiwanese reference. And I think at the end of the day, they took it away and put it back or they never took it away. And maybe it just was a kerfuffle that didn't get uh, didn't get addressed. But that's how minute the offense can be where a patch on a jacket in a movie, which may get you know shown on screen for a second, two seconds, who knows, could cause a problem with the Chinese censors. That's how delicate their sensibilities are. That's how careful uh, American studios are not to offend. But I guess in that case, I don't know whether they figured it would never play in China because it showed military strength and maybe they were able to stand tall for the movie because they knew they had no hope of getting into the Chinese audiences. Uh, Let's uh, switch gears just a little bit. Some of the movies coming out of Hollywood that deal with communist themes are actually quite slanted toward the left. And I'm thinking of a movie called Trumbo, which was about the McCarthy era. And of course, McCarthy's this big villain and uh, the number of uh, uh, the subject of probably more movies than than I've seen. But uh, can you comment on left wing bias amongst Hollywood screenwriters and and, uh, its effect? Yeah, it's a great subject. I'm glad you brought that up because over the last 20, 30 years, there have been a number of films that have dealt with the McCarthy era, Guilty by Suspicion, The Front, uh, multiple more. There was a documentary about Dalton Trumbo, and then there was a feature film with Brian Cranston. He won a Best Actor nomination for that performance. And I, I, I find it darkly comic that Hollywood is obsessed with that era, in part because it obviously overlapped with the industry and there were screenwriters who were unable to work. And I understand that. But when you think about where Hollywood is today, there's a blacklist 2.0. If you're a conservative, if you're a Christian, you will stumble and bumble and maybe not find the work you you deserve to get because of your beliefs. And uh, it's amazing that an industry that is so obsessed with the 50s era of that period and yet doesn't see that they're often treating people in a very similar fashion. No, no one's going to jail. No, there's no sort of government body that's hauling people to testify. But I've talked to many, many conservatives behind the scenes and they are very, very quiet about their beliefs because they understand there could be sizable blowback for just for saying, I voted for Trump, just for saying, I think DeSantis is a great guy, things like that. So there's a chilling effect in Hollywood right now and uh, maybe in 20, 30, 40 years, they'll start making movies about it. But when they do, they'll be the bad guys. Well, speaking of conservatives in Hollywood, there used to be this organization called Friends of Abe. Then it fell apart, but some people were trying to carry it on. Uh, is there anything left of the Friends of Abe? I don't know. I, I, you described it correctly. 
it may still exist in some parameters, but it's certainly not as robust as it used to be. But I think the fact that the, the Friends of Abe existed is a great example of what I'm talking about. Because if you're in Hollywood and you're an actor and you're left of center, you could have a fundraiser at your house. You can have a uh, you can have the president to your you know your studio. You can do all the things to support that candidate, that platform, that position. And and as you should, this is America. You should be able to you know support whatever platform or party or candidate you wish. But if you're a conservative, you hide, you stay silent. And if you want to network and have a bit of camaraderie with your peers who think like you, you have to do so in an organization that remains under covers, that doesn't let itself be known, where the membership roster is a secret. That's what's happening in Hollywood. The mere existence of, a of Friends of Abe tells you everything you need to know about the culture in Hollywood, and none of it is good. My last question, I need to ask you about Oppenheimer, a movie that's out currently and is doing very well as part of Barbenheimer, the Barbie movie. They, <laughs> all these stories about how great the two did, did together. Well, here's my question. On your website, you write it up as a patriotic story of beating the Nazis to the bomb. I had always heard that Oppenheimer was guilty of passing nuclear secrets to the Soviets. I've documented, I did a little bit of research. He was friends with communists. He admitted associating with the communist movement. And there was a Soviet general who, who said that he did, in fact, Oppenheimer did, in fact, pass nuclear secrets to the Soviets. So uh, my question for you is, how does that information square with your review? Well, I didn't review the film. I, I I did a preview of the film weeks ago when they released the trailer for Oppenheimer. And I noticed the way the trailer was framing the material was surprisingly patriotic. And I thought, oh, isn't it interesting? You've got flags waving. You've got, you know, it's certainly a World War II story where the, America was able to create the bomb before the Nazis did. And of course, if the Nazis had created the bomb first, who knows where we'd be right now. I had was not able to see Oppenheimer yet. They actually screened the film across the country for critics the same night as Barbie. And I had to, I had to see Barbie because I knew that was going to be a, a culture war bomb, as it were. You know, I haven't heard any blowback about the film in that regard from right-leaning critics. Uh, I know generally speaking, it's got near universal claim. I spoke to a radio show host who has seen it, and I certainly would would raise the alarm about that if he saw it in the film. He didn't mention it to me. He also suggested that it seems like they stayed pretty close to the truth regarding the the narrative behind the bomb. So it's possible all those elements are accurate and they just didn't fit into the story itself. You know, Christopher Nolan, who's the director, is an odd fellow in that he's wildly talented. He's one of our best directors, but he's also had a, there's been a sneaking suspicion that he's right of center. And, and I bring that up in part because The Dark Knight Rises from a few years ago seemed to be an abject attack on the Occupy Wall Street moment of uh, movement of the era. And it wasn't blatant, it wasn't in your face, but it's hard to watch that movie and not see his thoughts on that. So uh, he is not an open conservative. I don't think he ever would be. I think he's too much of a true storyteller to even go in that direction. Sure. In Oppenheimer's defense, it appears to be this, the story of the early days uh, the competition with the Nazis and all, all, all these stuff about passing nuclear secrets uh, came later. So it probably just didn't fit the film at all. But uh, that's it for me. I'm going to go back to Karen. Uh, any comments and, and wrap up this segment? 
Thank you, first of all, Christian. Uh, very interesting critique. It reminded me, and I looked at, uh, if you're familiar with the 45 Goals of Communism from Sklausen that was read into the congressional record, and go, from Goal 17 to Goal 27, it addresses all of the things that you're talking about as how they're going to do it to take over. Mm-hmm. And I find it Aside from horrifying because they're doing it, just the fact that they're doing it and now seeing the assistance that they're getting from Hollywood, you have it, it makes it easier to understand how the people get sucked up into all of this. It's a great point. And Hollywood has a very powerful messaging machine. And what's interesting about Hollywood today is that they very rarely make movies that extol the wonders of this country. Uh, or even the capitalist system. And one rare exception, which was quite a good movie from just a few weeks ago, was Air. It's set in the 1980s. It's all about how Nike got involved heavily in the shoe business by recruiting and wooing Michael Jordan, a young, unknown Michael Jordan. And of course, he became the face of the of the company and, and launched revolutionary shoe deals. But that movie really does ex- uh, applaud capitalism, ingenuity, meritocracy, And it's all the more amazing because you don't make those movies that much in Hollywood. It's an exception. And I also compare that to China. We mentioned that before. China is actively, aggressively trying to shape the movies that are being made to be propaganda for the regime. It's really interesting that China realizes the the, the soft cultural power that movies have, and they're eager to use it and even abuse it. Whereas American filmmakers would steer clear of many projects that might show America in an unabashedly positive light. So two very different approaches. And you could say that uh, they're winning that front uh, in, a, in a, probably in a powerful way. And why I'm not applauding what China does with their messaging. Wouldn't it be nice if more American filmmakers were able to concoct powerful stories that really showed why America is such a wonderful place, a wonderful country, a wonderful experiment? But No, and the sad part is that our kids have no heroes anymore. Uh, They have nobody to turn to. Who are they going to turn to? Batman? He's going to come and save them? (laughs) That's the closest we get today. Right, and that's very sad because instead of saying, wow, Davy Crockett, he did this and he had courage and blah, blah, blah. I'm going to be like Davy Crockett, blah, blah, blah. No, I'm going to be like Batman or Superman. We're taking away that from the children from seeing uh, what real heroism is all about. And it's it's very sad when that happens. And hopefully movies like Sound of Freedom, people will begin to realize that the more we give these people our money, which is what we're doing, we're funding it. So we need to stop. That's a really wonderful point. And, you know, for all the times I've written about Sound of Freedom, for all the times I've spoken about it on podcasts and radio shows, that's an angle I really didn't think about. The fact that Tim Ballard, the hero of the film, is that figure, is that, is that someone who you're referencing, do, risking his life, who is uh, selfishly, you know, uh, it, it, you know, so looking beyond his needs, his safety, his all the things that matter to many of us. And he's willing to do that for the children because it means so much to him. He knows he just wants to reunite that family at all costs. And that's the kind of unabashed hero we don't get very often. And even in recent years when they tried to make new Superman movies, Hollywood, which is so addicted to the anti-hero, so addicted to the Tony Soprano, Walter White mold, they didn't know what to do with Superman. 
They even made his suit darker to reflect his new cynicism, to reflect his con- conflicted emotions. And yet the Superman I grew up with, Christopher Reeve, was a Boy mm-hmm. Scout and made no apologies right. about being a Boy Scout. And and that was okay at that time. But it would be really hard to sell a studio on, well, we're going to make Superman and he's, he's squeaky clean and he does the right thing and he doesn't smoke and he rescues kittens from trees and he defeats the bad guys because they would say, ho-hum, boring, what's next? We won't, people won't buy it. But you know what? We are at the end of the segment. Okay, everyone, this is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Go FLCA, get your kids out of those public schools, says me, a former teacher. I'm not fooling. Do it. And don't go away because we'll be right back. How can you improve your odds of staying healthy? The answer is stay healthy with Cofix RX. Who's got time for a cold, strep, a flu, HRV, RSV, or COVID anyhow? Cofix has some great news. Besides being featured as a top five product in the drugstore news, we completed the protocol that you've heard Dr. McCullough talk about. Cofix RX is already famous for a powerful virus-hostile nasal solution, and now we have a throat spray too. Crush those nasty germs before they become a problem. With known antiviral support ingredients like povidone iodine, xylitol, and vitamin D3, you can feel a little safer. For a limited time, when you add the new Cofix RX throat spray to your order, you'll receive 25% off the entire purchase. Just click the Cofix RX banner on the America Out Loud website or store. Be sure to use promo code OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Don't forget, OUTLOUD25 at checkout. Trouble concentrating or recalling information is frustrating, embarrassing, and kills productivity. Nutrition company Healthy Cell created Focus and Recall to boost your brain power. Unlike other supplements that don't work, Focus and Recall is not a pill. It's a gel you swallow with ultra-absorption of science-backed ingredients to help you immediately sharpen focus, concentrate longer, and strengthen recall. Go to HealthyCell.com and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. Risk-free. Love it or your money back guaranteed healthycell.com code out loud the pandemic may be over for some but millions of americans are needlessly suffering from the long-term effects of toxic spike protein from covid19 and the vaccines fortunately dr peter mccullough and his team at the wellness company designed their spike support formula with the miracle enzyme natokinase scientifically studied to dissolve spike protein so you can feel your very best Go to OutLoudCare.com today and use code OUTLOUD for 25% off your first order. For 25 years, Global Healing has proudly produced the highest quality supplements and cleansing programs that are rooted in nature and backed by science. Get 15% off all of our products using code OUTLOUD. Global Healing, giving you the power to take control of your health naturally. AmericaOutloud.com If you can't find it here, you can't find it anywhere. We are the pulse and voice of everyday American thought, working hard to earn your trust for seven incredible years and counting. America Out Loud Talk Radio, the liberty and justice for all.
Welcome back, everyone. This is Karen Schoen. You're listening to the Prism of America's Education brought to you on the America Out Loud talk radio network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. Please go to the Alliance website, join the Alliance. The idea of the Alliance is that it does not matter what you are working on with your group. We all have one common feature. We live in Florida. And when there are certain things that we need, we talk to our members and they in turn can send them out to their members. And that gives us a powerful way to communicate. And that's what this is all about. If the Republicans were sincere, which I highly doubt, if they wanted to win an election, which I highly doubt, they wouldn't be doing the same old things over and over and over again. Uh, You have to understand that communication is the most important thing that we as humans do. And by not communicating, not transferring one idea to another, which sparks another idea, and then another idea, what's happening is we, what the Marxists want, what the communists want is that that thought pattern is the same for every human being at the same time. So they know if they look at their watch and it's 12 o'clock in Hong Kong, uh, everybody in the world will be doing the same thing. That's what their goal is. That's their utopia. And we in America, the idea was we're individuals, We should be able to take care of ourselves. We should be taught morals. We should understand rules, and we should understand that we all follow the same rules. And we have deviated from that. And a large part of that, I believe, this one's for you, Christian, is Hollywood, because the messages that they're giving our children right now are eventually what gets in our government and formulates the ideas. And right now, I am so disgusted with the Hollywood Uh, The people of my generation, Barbara Streisand, Bette Midler, uh, Cher, these were all the protesters. What were they protesting? Oh, well, we got to go back and look, folks, because what they were protesting was the establishment. And once that bond was broken, the new establishment came marching in called communism. And these kids were ripe. They hated everything. Vietnam was there. Kennedy was killed. Martin Luther King was killed. Robert Kennedy was killed. They hated everybody. And Hollywood enabled them to vent that anger. And look at what Hollywood has done. Instead of giving a good message of how you can succeed, and these are heroes, and these are people that you should emulate, and as you grow up, use your common sense, use the things that the goals and the skills that God has given you. Hollywood is supposed to reinforce that. Hollywood was supposed to show us period pieces so that we would have an idea of what it was like to live in an America where there was nothing. And that's not happening anymore. 
And I find that very sad, Christian. Why do you think there are not more independent groups like the Angel Studio that just promoted Sound of Freedom? I think Hollywood has always been run by fear, fear of getting older, fear of not being the flavor of the month, fear of another more talented actor or actress taking your roles. And now Hollywood is in deadly afraid of the woke mentality of the progressivism that's you know that seeped into the industry and everyone knows that if you deviate from that script in any capacity that it could impact your fellow uh work opportunities and i i think that has created a system that is very safe and very addicted to uh the status quo and the status quo is left of center. The status quo is establishment. And there are very, very, very few rebels within the entertainment community. And often when they are, when they're found out, they are attacked by the media and they uh, suffer the consequences. And so we find artists on the perimeter. We find comedians who you won't find on Saturday Night Live. You won't hear them on The Late Show. You won't see them in any traditional uh, broadcasts. But they've got a podcast and they tour the country and they're on social media and they're sharing their work that way. And they're they're able to tell the subversive jokes, the jokes that defy the system. Meanwhile, Stephen Colbert is telling everyone, go get your 20th COVID shot. And here's Dr. Fauci. He and I are going to team up for a segment about how wonderful his, his medication is. You know, that's the kind of uh, establishment comedy that we see these days. It is fearful. It is safe. It is often wrong, I mean, from a partisan point of view. And, uh, you know, th those kind of voices, the rebellious voices, the Lenny Bruce's, the George Carlin's, they're mostly gone, for, at least from the mainstream. You can find them, but it's not easy. And they don't have this big a platform. And when they go out and they put out a new product, it could be a, a stand-up special, an album, a new movie, they're not going to get the wall-to-wall -wall coverage that a uh, that a Colbert will get or a Jon Stewart. The system takes care of its own. And... Uh, they don't like outlaws or rebels or, or free thinkers, that's for sure. Don't they see what's going on when they leave the studio area? They don't uh, see what's going on in California. They are so living in such a bubble that this they just don't see it. They are living in an ideological all, I can't <laughs> I, I can't believe that they're all communists, but they don't see the devastation. They don't see what's happening in California. They have no clue. It's tribalism above everything else. Ah, if you look at late night comedy, yeah. so you've you've got a figure like Hunter Biden. And let's just let's just put aside the alleged crimes and all the bribery schemes that we're talking about in recent weeks. Let's put everything aside. You've got the president's son who is showing pictures of himself via a laptop who is frolicking with prostitutes doing massive amounts of drugs now if you're a comedian that's gold that's something you yeah. could make fun of you could poke fun of you could draw some conclusion to it's a figure of ridicule now you could also say that he's a troubled man who's got addictions and it's not right to do that but you know if donald trump jr had any of those uh you know those situations those addictions those those flaws in his character that that would be front and center on the comedy scene for week and week and week and week. So the fact they ignore him means that they care more about tribalism and party ide ideology than anything else. So they look at a figure like Senator Fetterman, who can't sadly put two words together, 
And rather than not only make fun of him, you know, pretending to be a, a cogent senator, but also make fun of the party that propped him up, sadly, which is obviously a tragic story, they'd rather not do that. They'd rather make fun of Dr. Oz for the thousandth time, or they'd make the the hundredth, you know, Donald Trump has orange skin joke. It, it, it's a terrible state of affairs. And I, I recently spoke to on my podcast, a comedian named Jimmy Dore. Now, Jimmy Dore is a rock-ribbed liberal to the core. He talks about the military industrial complex. He says, you know, the, the left has been too harsh on Bernie Sanders. But you know what? Jimmy Dore speaks the truth on a lot of issues in ways that his liberal peers will never do. Jimmy Dore has lashed out about the Russian collusion hoax in ways that make him sound like Sean Hannity. He's talked about the COVID situation in ways that make him sound like Clay and Buck on the radio. And he has a, a new special out where he talks about how during the COVID pandemic, you were told not to read, not to do your research, to follow the government and be a good soldier. And he mocks that in really funny, powerful ways. So there are still some voices who are subversive, who look past their tribal ideologies, but they are very rare and they have to out, they have to live on the perimeters of the Hollywood system because they will get no support from them. They have to kind of make it on their own, but they're finding an audience because what they're saying is true and powerful and funny and just. And I can listen to a Jimmy Dore and, and he and I can disagree on a lot of stuff, but I, I get the sense that he really does have an interest in the truth and will put that over party. And uh, th those voices are very, very rare and you're not going to find them in Hollywood, that's for sure. There is such an influence that Hollywood has on the children. Do you think that the actors that are saying this stuff really believe what they're saying about the all of this racism and all of this woke garbage? Or are they saying it because they're afraid of losing their jobs? It's both. I'm sure there are some true believers who really believe in this ideology and its tenets. Uh, and there are others who know if they don't fall in line, they could be in trouble. There, there was a story a little while back and the uh, they're talking to maybe a, might have been a PR person who was involved in Hollywood and they were saying how they encourage their actors to be socially aware on social media, you know, to post the black squares for Black Lives Matter or other other causes that are near and dear to the left, because that's a way to signal to their peers, hey, I'm like you, I'm with you, come hire me. And uh, Nick Searcy, who's a very talented actor, I've had the fortune to meet and chat with a few times. He said the same thing. He said that's that's what an actor does: send a message to his or her peers that that you know I can, I am part of the system, and you can trust me, and you can hire me, and I believe the same things you believe. And it's because work is so scarce in the industry, and because it's so tenuous, th everyone's afraid. I mean, I've spoken to character actors who seem to work nonstop. And they told me they're afraid of, you know, when's the next project coming along? What happens if there's a year break? What if people don't see me for a while? It's it's understandable. It's a very hard business. And I, I my heart does go out to them for, on that perspective for sure. But uh, they either don't know the impact of what they're doing and the cultural shift that they're um, helping be a part of, or they maybe they are, and they're more than happy to go about it. You know, we're seeing uh, the slow motion I want to say destruction because it's still a mighty company, but Disney is just being rocked right now on multiple Good. fronts, ticket sales, theme park attendance, branding, because they decided to go all in on politics, all in on woke, all in on putting very suggestive themes into subjects, um, into content made for children. And, uh, you know, to think that a brand as bulletproof as Disney 
would try that, let alone do it, is is unthinkable. And yet now they're scrambling, talking about selling properties. It's it's a stunning sequence of events, but it's because they cared more about ideology and sending a message than the bottom line. And now they're reaping the benefits of that in a warped way. Yeah, I think the people are finally beginning to see the power that they have. You have to vote with your wallet and vote. You're not, why give money to somebody that says, I hate you. <laughs> I want you dead. And why do why, why I want to pay you? <laughs> so you can kill me? No, thank you. I'll go find somebody else that at least says, I'll let you live. Give them my money. Some of the messaging from Hollywood is, is as cruel and cold as you're describing. Not always. It's the minority of actors, but they have often very loud platforms. Th- that's powerful. I, I, I don't feel comfortable endorsing boycotts personally. I, I'm a journalist and I don't want to go there. But I, I, I think boycotts are far more effective and more positive and more powerful. And we've seen that with Sound of Freedom. You know, if more right of center, freedom friendly projects, movies, TV shows, music, plays, what you name it, if they were people from the heartland would rally behind them, then I think they'd cause real change. Um, but we're not there yet. And often I think conservatives in this arena are their worst enemy. Well, they'll see a project and they'll say, well, I know it's right of center and I know I should support it, but I'll wait till it comes on streaming. And then it sends a powerful message that there's not enough audience for it. So I, I think hopefully that will start to change and that we need to use our boycott power to support these independent artists who are sticking their necks out because they need they need help. They need our backs. They need us at our backs. And uh, if we're not there for them, then they will, they will crawl back and just keep on doing the, the stuff that Hollywood gives them. And pretty soon they too will be replaced yeah. with an avatar, AI or something like that. Uh, I think that you know, that'll probably be a good wake up call also. And I, I may interrupt that, you know, I think that Hollywood for the last five, seven, eight years, maybe more, they've been very aggressive in their messaging, not just, hey, we like Biden, vote for him, but like, you're an idiot, you're a fascist, you're a racist if yeah. you support A, B, or C. And now they're, you know, now their industry is suffering some significant body blows. And when the strike is eventually settled, they're going to want us to come back and maybe we'll have, find, we'll have found different ways to entertain ourselves, either older content or subversive content or you know, YouTube videos made by creators who work at a fraction of the cost of, of the Hollywood elites. And, you know, they need us. They need us now more than ever. And uh, we may not be in their corner. I think that would be a wise decision and a good step forward for the good guys. I have a question for you, Christian. Okay, so let's let's pretend that you just made this movie, Sound of Freedom, and you just uh, hauled in $100 million dollars. What would you do with it? Well, I think that affords you the chance to invest it in similar projects. I think you spend every waking hour studying why that film was successful, reaching out to audiences and see what they appreciated, what they didn't, what drew them to the theater. Uh, I think it allows you to maybe take more risks because the next two or three films may not be nearly as successful. And I think you go from there. You try to replicate the successes. You try to engage with the audience, respect them. And cross your fingers the next one hits because you know Hollywood, even the best of intentions don't always play out. Even the best directors create bad movies. Even the best actors flop out sometimes. It's a very challenging situation. But uh, when you have a hit in your corner, it gives you some flexibility. And I imagine Angel Studios understands that and what that means. where Where do people go to find good entertainment? You know, there are so many platforms out there. And one thing I will mention is that there are some that cost nothing. There, there's a great platform called Tubi, T-U-B-I. 
It is free. It is ad supported. But the ads you see on the on the platform, they they won't choke you. It's not like there's seven, eight, nine ads in a row. It's much more. It's it's less uh, obtrusive than a network TV show. And they've got uh, just an absolute crush of content, old TV shows, old movies, but also newer material, you know, films from a year or so ago. So that's a good way to do it. Um, you know, the platforms have their pluses and minuses. I would recommend looking for free trials whenever you can, Paramount Plus, Hulu, Apple TV Plus, Disney Plus. I mean, these things do offer you freebies a lot. That's another way to kind of scratch that itch. And also lean on your network of friends if you if you're have like-minded uh, neighbors and and you know that he or she reflects your values. You follow them on social media. Ask them directly. What have you seen recently that you enjoy that you like? You know, my site covers Hollywood from a right of center perspective. So HollywoodInToto.com. I hope people can trust my site. I know I, I do the best I can, but I think it reflects their values. I'm not going to always agree with my readers, but uh, I'm you know doing it as honestly and as transparently as possible. But uh, there are ways to get around these things and to watch pretty good content. And again, we've got decades of established material, uh, shows that aren't woke, movies that are inspiring and thought-provoking. Well, what I want to tell you, Christian, is I think you're a national treasure. Nobody else is. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anybody else is working this beat. And you, uh, uh, it's the importance of pop culture. Nobody, Nobody's looking at this in a systematic way that you are. And um Andrew Breitbart once famously said, politics is downstream from culture. So I'm wondering if you can expand on this theme a little bit and tell us why you do what you do. You know, uh, thank you for the kind words. There are some others in this space. Kyle Smith, John Nolte comes to mind. Society Reviews is a good website where you can find this material as well. But it's it's amazing. I mean, we are so vastly outnumbered. Uh, but, you know, I got into movie criticism because I was a failed art major and I always loved movies and I had absolutely no intention of becoming the person and the crit critic I am today. I just wanted to review movies. I just want to see them for free and then share my thoughts on them because that, that was my passion. It was in DC uh, during 9-11 and I saw how the different parties reacted to that attack. You know, one said, why do they hate us? And and let's apologize until we're blue in the face. And the other one didn't. <laughs> so I followed that side. I became a conservative. And just over the years, I've watched the industry and I've also watched my peers in the Hollywood space, the journalism space, just veer dramatically to the left. And they didn't agree with my worldview. And they also thought, hey, there's half the country not being represented. You know, you mentioned I'm in... Um, one of a kind. I'm almost one of a kind. And that's not a credit to me. It just is what it is. There aren't many critics, aren't many entertainment journalists who are doing what I do. And uh, I wish there were dozens of me. And I think, you know, I think we deserve that on the right. And, uh, but until then, I'll just keep working seven days a week on the different platforms and my podcast and all the things I do to spread the word. And I, I, I try to do every bit of it without anger and without vitriol and without name calling. And I try to be as professional as possible. And I, I throw some sharp elbows on Twitter. That's absolutely true. But I, I you know, my wife is left of center and I, I keep that in mind. And I don't want to be the same divisive guy that I see in Hollywood. A happy warrior, right? I am trying. Andrew Breitbart hired me a few years ago and I, I think about him quite often. Karen, back to you. When you are traveling around, what do you think the people are asking for? Are they looking for more woke movies or are they looking for something else? Mostly something else. I'm sure there is a woke audience, but it's very small and they, they've got all the material they could possibly want right now. But when I speak to people, it's often a frustration with the, the current situation. And even before the pandemic, the one thing I heard 
the most whenever I told people what I do for a living is they'd say, yeah, I don't go to the movies that much anymore. I used to go quite a bit, but just not lately. And I, I think there's a trend toward people just giving up on films and partly because the films aren't that great lately and partly because they don't reflect their values and uh, they're sick of it and they could stay home and watch older stuff or they could do a million different things and the social media to, to occupy our time. And I know when I go to bed at night, I often watch cooking videos on YouTube. So, you know, I'm, I'm part of the problem, but uh, yeah, it's, I, I think if Hollywood would really start to listen to the audience, stop insulting the audience and, and maybe just gently nudge actors to do the same. You know, at the end of the day, I don't care how Ben Affleck votes. It doesn't affect me whatsoever. He's a talented director. He's a, modestly talented actor don't don't yell at me don't insult me right. and don't and don't uh demean me just make your movies if you want to write a check for the democratic party god bless you you know that's that's your right you you've earned a living you've have a rare skill but uh, I, I really you know it's it's been weird for me to cover hollywood and to love hollywood on on a certain level because i love movies and then just see the artists the the, the creme de la creme behave in a very boorish fashion and they've been doing so for quite some time especially during election cycles and uh, it's it's a bummer. It's it's really a bummer. But this, you know, I've also spoken to actors who are good souls, and I've talked to Kevin Costner. I've heard great stories about him behind the scenes about how he treats people. And I'm not going to treat Hollywood with a generously broad brush and say they're all mean and you know uncivil. But a lot of them are, and I think that I think they're doing themselves a disservice, especially as the industry changes. Yeah, I think as it's easier to see, and there's more cameras. <laughs> Uh, a lot more will come out when they quote misbehave, and yeah. <laughs> um, well, that that that's part of the problem because there's no respect of others. You know, you have to respect yourself before you can respect somebody else. But there's none of that respect, and when you don't respect the people that you're supposedly working for and trying to give your talent to. Why would they want to respect you back? You know, why, yeah. you're going to call me names and tell me um, you want to go shoot the White House or whatever. Why would I want to go buy your records? Yeah, why you think would... it'd, be, it'd be PR 101 not right. to do exactly what you said, but they often ignore that. You know, I think it's one of the reasons why Tom Cruise has stood out the last two years. You know, I, I don't know a lot about Scientology. Uh, there may be elements of that, certainly that can be very upsetting. Uh, he's had some views in the past. His, his love life has been curious and we hear stories about you know does is he a good father to his children i i don't know i don't know uh at the end of the day i've seen him praise the audience i've seen him thank the audience i've seen him really work his tail off to make movies that make us happy and give us a, an escape and give us joy and i appreciate that and i think a lot of other moviegoers appreciate that as well i, I can't expect the artists to be perfect human beings i can't expect them to live the life that i would lead uh, they're as flawed as we are, if not much more so at times. But I do appreciate an actor who appreciates us back and who understands the relationship and understands that we made Tom Cruise rich and famous. We made him able to live out his dreams. And he's thanking us again and again. And uh, that makes him rare and wonderful. Yeah, but that is the way it should be. And that's the role model that they should be bestowing upon their audience you know i'm gonna people act the way they see someone else you know they pick up their behavior they pick up clues from them especially if they like them and what a horrible message they're giving to our kids so that's i always go back to the same thing because when the kids have this instilled upon them 10 years from now they'll be in some job and it'll come right out and 
I think that's why we're having the problems that we're having. There's when we lose communication, we don't respect each other because there's no eye contact. There's nothing, you know, there's, there's nothing there. And of course, uh, what do we do when AI takes over the world? You have been listening to The Prism of America's Education, brought to you on the America Out Loud Talk Radio Network with my wonderful sponsor, the Florida Citizens Alliance. I cannot say enough about the Alliance because their goal is to make sure our kids have a wonderful education and that we get rid of a lot of this woke stuff because it's harming It's so harmful. And the interesting thing that Christian said, and I hope everybody heard, is that there's not a lot of them. There's a lot more of us than there are of them. And we have to put that in practice. So practice and get a hold of your legislators and tell them that if they are going to continue with this woke attitude and garbage, that They've got to go. And if you're living in Florida, it doesn't matter. You think Ron DeSantis is wonderful. Yes, he did some wonderful things. But woke is still in the schools. They're still hiding it. It's up to us to get it out. It's up to us to do our job and to make sure that our children have a free America. Thank you all for listening. See you next week. But, uh... I'm there.